Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Harlem Hone jazz vocalist, songwriter, and lyricist, Emily Braden. We had a good talk about her sophomore 2023 album called Cannon and Sparrow. This Boise, Idaho-born Harlem Hone performer has a sound that is an effortless blend of jazz and soul. Winner of New York City's Best of the Best Jazzmobile Vocal Competition, she has been a celebrated name on the New York City music scene for more than a decade. We cover a lot of ground. She's got a very cool story. Enjoy this interview. Joe Domino, Neon Jazz Radio, how are you? Wonderful, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Good. Hey, well, thanks for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's the release day. It's exciting. It's nice to do a little yeah. interview and, you know, it's been fun so far. Well, it's quite a day to do it. I mean, St. Patrick's Day is already a holiday, so you might as well add on top of it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get into the release and, and, and how happy you are about it just everything that goes into this release i want to know you know the one thing about march is that when we think back to three years ago you know it probably brings a lot of ptsd because everything just got wiped out so how did you survive covid and how good does this release feel now that the world's waking up that was absolutely part of why i picked march 17th as the release date um two years after you know what we what we've been what we what we all went through is sort of collective collective grief, um, and I wanted to celebrate the release of something. I waited through COVID. This album was actually done before COVID. Um, it was basically done. And so I just, there were many points along the way where I thought, oh, do I release it here? Do I release it here? But I um, I wanted to wait so that I could tour and talk and connect with people through the music and play for play for people live. COVID was, for me, I stayed in New York City here. I live in Harlem. I've been here for the past decade. And I stayed here. I did quite a bit of online teaching, both vocal lessons and Spanish lessons. And um, I think like a lot of people, I also worked on myself a lot and did a lot of healing and just totally shifted gears. I never thought I would have experienced such a slow pace in the middle of New York City <laughs> ever. I just never expected to the pace to change so much. But I got through it. I stayed here. And, um, you know, my relationship to the city is very different now. So, Cannon and Sparrow, talk to me a little bit about how you put this album together. And the other part of it is, is that you waited to release this. So, do you do you do you get this feeling that your voice changed because of the pandemic, and even changed now as you look to your next project? Oof, absolutely. So, again, this project is like many years in the making. Um, the the inspiration between behind Cannon and Sparrow was actually the passing of my father. The initial inspiration was the passing of my father within a week of the of the 2016 election, presidential election, which was sort of personal devastation and also for many um, collective devastation. Um, and that was sort of what inspired the writing for it, which we didn't start, we, we, we didn't start recording until the middle of 2018. Um, so it took about a year and a half already before we finished the album. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just sort of a way to process that. But then with the pandemic, I actually, um, you know, we, we we have changed so much that in some ways, yeah, it does my relationship to the album and what the concept initially was because so much more happened. The pandemic, I also went through, um, I had COVID quite bad in 2021 at the end of it and ended up with cr chronic inflammation that led to a vocal injury. So, so talk about my voice changing and Wow. And not not being able to sing for about five months, and I actually had to have a surgical procedure um, to sort of remedy what had happened 
through through COVID. It was like a kind of a perfect storm of not having sung as much for the last two years, then having this chronic inflammation and like a 14-day cough that caused an injury, a hemorrhage, and then not knowing that and singing again. So it was like, you know, I, it, it was a doozy. Let me tell you that. <laughs> but, you know, it, that, talk about healing. So that's really the concept behind the album was actually I thought it was about grief and it ended up being really about resilience and making it through and the patience and sort of holding on to your little sparrow song through all of these things. That was, that was what my, you know, as I came out of it and I started to figure out how to talk to, to people about the release, that was what I realized that the album was. It was really sort of an altar, a musical altar to resilience, to our resilience, to my resilience. And yeah. So let's go back to your beginnings here. Talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised and how these seeds of jazz, started to grow in you to become who you are now. Absolutely. I always joke that I'm from the, the jazz and soul mecca, Boise, Idaho. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's just, just kind of in the water there. No, but um, I've, I've always loved yeah. music. Um, I grew up as a choir kid, and I had um, my my grandmother was a real musical person. So, and, and my mom was as well. My family members, we were always kind of singing little songs, looking back at videos and things. But it was really my maternal grandmother that introduced me to a lot of black American music that just completely changed my life and the course of my life. So we would have listening sessions to everything from, you know, B.B. King to Carol King to Ella Fitzgerald. And, um, and she also just really encouraged my creativity at a very young age. So yeah, I was in Boise and I would, you know, as soon as I got my learner's permit, I was going to the record store and buying all these classic albums. Um, and, and then after high school, I knew that I needed to kind of follow music. So I did a two-year music program in Oregon where I met my mentor. Her name's Louise Rose, and she lives up in Victoria, B.C. She's originally from Pennsylvania um, and very much connected to the lineage. She's an incredible, incredible woman. And she invited me up to Victoria where I lived for about seven years studying privately with her, um, you know, really just lessons about artistry and what it is to be an artist in the world and how to make that happen. And then I got the New York City, like, I got to go to New York City thing. I just totally fell in love with I took myself, I brought myself here as a gift after I got my bachelor's degree. I was obsessed with organ jazz at the time, like Jimmy Smith specifically. So I looked up all these organ, organ jazz clubs, found out that the hub was sort of in Harlem. And then once I got here, I was like, oh no, I, I have to, I actually have to move here. So that's how I went from the West Coast to the East Coast. So when you did get to New York, what was the stage that you got on that you had to pinch yourself? You couldn't believe that you were performing on it. Well, I had a few of those. Um, I was, I did, before I lived here, I actually was, um, did the uh, Amateur Night at the Apollo and was booed off the stage. So that was like a high and a low at the same time. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I went down the street and sang with this group um, all night long and they were like, oh, come on, like, you're not an amateur. Like, let's, you know, they were super awesome. And, and I went, and the Lennox, the Lennox Lounge, which no longer exists, but, um, you know, so I think that's one of the stages that, again, Billie Holiday performed there, like, the Showman's Jazz Club as well was the very first night I ever was in New York City. I sat in with um, uh, saxophonist Jerry Weldon and sang Evil Gal Blues. And, like, you know, they were like, you're from Idaho. How did this happen? And it was sort of my, sort of my New York City introduction. Um, and I've been, I've been on stage at the Blue Note. I've been on stage at Birdland, um, Mesro 55 Bar, which no longer exists, closed right after the pandemic. But I had a residency there as well. So I feel like my New York trajectory and and uh, relationship to this city musically has been kind of a slow and steady 
climb, and um, and I have a lot of love for for the stages I've performed on here. What was the very first live jazz show that you saw that really either inspired you to want to perform or just blew you away? Oh wow, that is that's actually I don't know that I have I don't know that I have one answer for that. Um, I think live music, just in general. I mean, I'm. I am not a purist at all. I love jazz. I love soul. I love R&B. I love world music. And I've just seen so much great stuff. Um, I think moving to New York and seeing that it's both quantity and quality here. Like, I remember the first couple of years I lived here. In, in, a, in any, any given night, you can go to five different places at that time and, you know, come home at 4 a.m. going, whoa, well, what just happened? You know, and you could do it again the next night. And I think that, I think it's just, live music in general like i i used to try and kind of quantify it. oh that i think that was the best thing or this was the best thing and now it's just like we are constantly you know we are constantly creating and, and having these beautiful euphoric nights of live music and connection that um i just try to tap into as often as possible and also try to create that for other people as a live performer so what kind of culture shock was it to come from boise to new york city <laughs> yeah um, a, a pretty serious one. I, I think, you know, I, again, I sort of had the Victoria BC was in the middle of that, but, um, West coast living, like just the pace and, um, you know, coming to New York city where like everybody is from everywhere and you can have access to so much greatness, um, just in, you know, just by square footage, it, it's kind of wild, but I think, um, it made me a lot stronger to move here. And for some reason, it's like a similar personality type that moves to New York City. Like you just, it's it's one that, that needs to be challenged. And I wake up every day here like, okay, you know, I never am very, I, I, I New York does not allow you to be very passive. It's like every day you got to be present. And what am I doing today? What am I going to make happen today? What will I see today? You know, um, and I think that's partly why I love the lifestyle here. It's just like every day is really a new day. I mean, from how we how we grocery shop down to, you know, how we how we live our lives. The culture here is really different and I have sort of fallen in love with it. So the one thing about this new album is it's it's your sophomore release, so you got the first one out of the way. And that's always a big moment to have that first statement come out. How have you viewed this successive release? Is there an addendum to the original one? Is this a brand new existential moment? How do you quantify this release? I keep saying it's sort of almost like a bookend because um, Misha Piatigorsky, who produced this album, also produced my first album. And it, that was a long time ago. It was before I actually moved to New York City. So I think what I wanted to do was like, my first album is called Soul Walk. And I, without really realizing it, it's almost like I made a Soul Walk 2.0 with you know, I, I really focused on a a having grown very much and through many different like levels as a vocalist, which was the whole point of moving to New York City, and then b like the emotional depth of being a full a full blown adult now, um, with heartbreaks and and lots of stories and you know um, and having lived with you know with this material for a while. Um, I think that this is, yeah, I think that it is almost like a response to that from my, from this version of myself, this sort of grown New York City post-pandemic, post-personal lost um, um, self of just wanting to keep the imagination and the passion and the drama and the fun of, of the music that Misha and I create together, 
but also kind of showcase another level of myself as far as vulnerability and and um, emotional and and sort of technical growth. So based on the wisdom that you've gained by being in Harlem for all this time and all the things that you've lived and been through with a mm-hmm. move and a new home, if you could go back to a moment before you actually left and you could give your younger version a piece of advice based on the wisdom that you've gained over all these years, what would you tell that young version? What a great question. Um, I would absolutely tell her to hold on to the core of what makes her her, right? Um, because I think what New York does, it kind of puts you through this processor uh, and you get all this information from all these other people and these, and, and like I said, you're surrounded by greatness and it can be easy to lose yourself or to, or to think that what you have is not good enough or what your story is is not interesting enough or um, what, you know, your quirks are too quirky. And it's, um, I remember at some point along the way I heard that if you hold on to them long enough, your quirks become your trademarks. And I love that statement. And I remember at some point, <clears throat> excuse me, in New York, while I was performing live, I remember trying to think, you know, this was a long time ago. I was like, oh, I got to be like cool and sophisticated and da-da-da. And it's like, I realized after just a few times of sort of trying to be that way, it was like, nope, be yourself, connect with the audience, let them have, let, let them have your Idaho, let them have your quirkiness, let them have, you know, let them have you so that you can also have them and have a genuine connection. So I think I would just kind of um, affirm holding on to our uniqueness as young performers and not, not, tr- not getting lost in the sauce, you know, not letting that get lost in the sauce, just really holding on to the things that, that are at the fabric of who we are artistically. So if you could get into a time machine and go back in time and see any performer anywhere, where are you going? Who are you going to see? Oh, it's such an obvious answer, but Ella Fitzgerald. Um, you know, I used to listen to her recordings as a 15-year-old, and I was just completely transported by her energy, let alone just the, the incredible vocal talent Um I think, you know, I would just, I think what she did as a live performer too, the joy that she channeled, like she was such an incredible channeler of, of happiness and joy. And also, also emotion, you know, people cut her, I think people don't give her enough credit for, she, she did have such deep emotional range and maybe, maybe because her joy was so potent, <laughs> we focus on that. But I, I just think her, there's something about her and her, her spirit and her laugh. I would just love, I love her laugh. Um, so I would love to see her perform live. And I also would have loved to see Donny Hathaway, like in a small room somewhere, just playing piano and singing. I think between those two, that would be <laughs> the ultimate. So why do you love jazz? Ooh, I love the freedom inside of the music and the expectation for, um, for experimenting and play and for putting your entire self into into the the form that's sort of set right you know we have this almost like a skeleton but then we get to we get to dress it we get to give it body and breath and and that's really expected in in jazz and improvisational black music i i just love that i feel like it it never gets old and it's 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 timeless but it never gets old um and so I'll always incorporate, like, I, I do write music, and I love to write music. I feel compelled to write music. But the songbook and the and just, you know, the classic standards of, of, of Black American music is, like, I always go back to that because there's so much to discover 
within myself and and in a room with other people through through those timeless through that timeless music. And so there's so much everyone, to do. You know, every time you change it up, you switch it up, you change the groove, you change the tempo, you you do something different. It's just like it it becomes this conversation that's like never ending. You can just keep, continue to go deeper and deeper into every single song. Yeah, I can attest to that for sure. Yeah, it it is a definitely it's never ending. Um, so everyone out there has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you're in control. You live your life. What's your perception mm-hmm. of you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> oh, my goodness. The, the big question. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I think I'm ultimately someone who strives to be fearless and free um, and kind in the process. And I think that music um, music is the medium through which I, I try to get closer and closer to those things. So if anyone out there wants to either pick up the new album, your, uh, your debut album as well, and find out mm-hmm. about the shows, anything related to your world, where is the best place for them to go? Um, so definitely my website, emilybraden.com, and it's B-R-A-D-E-N, it's my last name. Um, emilybraden.com I have kind of all the links there and I'm in, I'm an independent artist so I've got I'm staring at a box of of compact discs at the moment that I have been sending out so there's a way to order the album a physical copy of the album and then it's also on every single platform but sort of the central hub would be my website emilybraden.com excellent Emily hey thank you for opening up talking about your life and music the new release good luck with everything Thank you so much. You're fantastic. Thanks for the beautiful questions and for supporting the music. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and singers in Idaho, Harlem, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Emily for her time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also subscribe to us at YouTube. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time. Enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.